0: Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Cawley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Cawley. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. At Keystone Elder Law, it is our mission. To shield the middle class from the costs and the challenges of getting older. And regular listeners of this show know my position on building that shield. Your estate planning, hopefully with Keystone Elder Law, is a crucial part of it. But there are so many other resources that might be very helpful to you and your family. Let's say you've been working for decades and that light at the end of your career tunnel is getting closer and closer. You've done the responsible things, though. You've updated, or maybe for the first time, you made your estate plan. Your estate plan covers decision-making in the event of an incapacitating illness. Your estate plan covers asset protection because you've thought about the cost of long-term care. You've thought about special circumstances that might apply for a particular member of your family. You've worked with a financial advisor to grow your savings because that gives you more flexibility to respond to the challenges of the later years of life. You've completed the pre-planning for your funeral or burial or cremation so that your family doesn't have to think about it immediately after you pass away. You've set aside the money for that burial arrangement in a way that keeps it safe from long-term care costs. You've even made a list of accounts, passwords, other useful information that a family member would need if you suddenly become unable to make the daily financial or healthcare decisions that you've always made for yourself. What a gift that is to make life easier for your loved ones. But there's still one thing that's nagging at you as retirement gets nearer and nearer on the horizon. You know that you're used to having income. And you know you need income during your retirement years, and you have a sense that Social Security is maybe part of that picture. But Social Security seems so complicated. When do you file for Social Security benefits? Is there a reason to hold off on filing? Well, these are the questions that we will explore today. And my guest to do that is Financial Advisor Matt Shira of Conti Wealth Advisors. Matt, thank you for sharing your insights on What is surely a complicated subject?
1: Thanks for having me. This is something that is a very important part of your financial plan. And especially if you've done all the estate planning and the asset protection, another moving part is going to be that income in retirement or during retirement. So, my my name's Matt Shura. I'm a financial planner. I'm a fiduciary. I work with business owners and individuals and executives, and regardless of of whatever your background is, this will affect you. So if you're talking about, you know, you're getting ready to pull that lever in retirement, and you want to know, what are the steps I need to take? I personally like uh, working with clients and uh, that want to subscribe to the process of having at least a year in advance knowing what needs to be done. So you've you know, that is one of the checkboxes that you need to take care of.
0: Seems like a less stressful way to go, not just wing this at the last minute, but but have it be part of a comprehensive plan. It is.
1: And if you think about retirement, whether or not you feel that you're going to continue working, whether it's, you know, you're an independent consultant like a lot of my clients are, <clears throat> or if you're just going to hang it up and, and focus on gardening, you know, either role, you don't want that to be a stressful event. So whether it is from a legal perspective or a tax perspective or a investment perspective or income perspective, you want to know the moving parts ahead of time. And I feel that a lot of good things come out of an open conversation. Uh, Give you an example where I had a couple that uh, the husband was pretty uh, tight-lipped as far as the, the moving parts of his plan, and out of that conversation came something that Social Security really affected them because he had a previous pension. So he was assuming he was going to get both, uh, and he assumed that he would get about the same amount as his wife, and he actually would not. So you never know what those moving parts are going to be. And I, I personally feel, uh, regardless of you know, my profession, that trying to do all of that and shoulder all of that responsibility on your own, something as big as retirement, is – is very stressful. Even if you do all your research, uh, I encourage clients to do research and go out because they ask good questions when they've done that. And they come to the meeting prepared. And it's just like going to the doctor where at the end of the the appointment, they ask, well, do you have any other questions? And there might be 10, but then you lock up and, you know, I, uh, I encourage clients to script them, write them down. And again, a lot of good things come out of a open conversation.
0: Yeah, I I have the same experience when people either listen to this show or they uh, watch videos i have on youtube or they attend one of the workshops that that you can get registered for at keystoneelderlaw.com they they now are so much further along with i might have created new questions you know i might have muddied the water but it 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 causes a much higher level conversation and then as you just pointed out with the example from your practice the more you talk the more you reveal assumptions that might not be correct mm-hmm. And at least
1: concerning Social Security, one of those big things is ma- feeling you make the right decision and then getting into it a few years. And uh, Social Security actually allows you a 12-month redo, if you will, where you you know pass all that money back to them and you can delay filing or file at another date or an older age. But if you get past that one-year mark, then it is what it is and you really have you know, set that the that plan in motion and
0: can't really change it. So that's a good example, and we'll we'll get it maybe to the redo. But you're talking about somebody who says, "Well, I'm going to retire," and then and so they 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 file for Social Security retirement benefits. They start receiving them, and then some big offer comes along, and they say, "Well, now what do I do?" Because that's going to you know I'm going to have this other income. You're saying if it's within 12 months, they can give the money back. They can. Have a, they can start over with social security.
1: Correct. And one of those things, even if they didn't get a big offer, they might be tired of spending so much time with their spouse. Oh well, <laughs>
0: I suppose all kinds <laughs> that, of circumstances can be. You could never come know. Up. And yeah. they,
1: they, they checked off all the things they want to do in retirement in the first six months and they they feel that whatever they did in a past life is more fulfilling. Yeah. And um, you know, they they want to continue on that path.
0: So let's just take a step back. I mean, we're talking about social security, and it seems like it's become such a complicated program. I think when it was decades ago, when it was created, it was really intended as one thing. It was supposed to be that safety net, so we did not have older adults going into poverty. So it, it was not meant as you can have whatever income you have and this will supplement it. It was truly for for people, you know, we just don't want anyone with no, uh, no income in retirement. But now you go to the Social Security Administration website, uh, ssa.gov, and there are tens of thousands of pages with frequently asked questions and, and other information. And And good luck if you just call the Social Security Administration because you'll, there are long wait times. There are, uh, you know, you'll get one answer from one person, and if you call back and speak to somebody else, you'll get a different answer. But at the end of the day, this has such a major impact on life in retirement And the burden is on every person to get it right, even though it's become so complicated. So, I mean, is that your experience that, that people come in just frazzled by all of the information?
1: It is. It's a lot. So it's good that it's there. There are far more moving parts than when it started. But in addition to that, things like 401Ks didn't exist then. True. And IRAs. Are 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 now a piece of the um, the puzzle,
0: and pensions were more common, so more employer based retirement solutions, as opposed to the burden being more and more and more on the individual.
1: Correct, and one of you, I'm not going to name a lot of companies, but you know, there's a number of companies that the pension went belly up because it was underfunded. So something as simple as that, where you know my employer took care of me while I'm working, and now they're going to take care of me in retirement. A lot of that is is gone so
0: yeah so what are it it was when someone comes in um you know and they're trying to figure out all these moving parts um what what are some of the fundamental background concepts that people need to understand i would say
1: the four main moving parts would be what did they do in their career because it depends on did they have a a, a pension uh, the the railroad pension is a, a prime example of that where they're they're not part of Social Security at all right there is their income uh, what are their thoughts will they continue to work And we touched out on that a little bit um, what other options or would they like to have uh, and then does their does their livelihood is that going to change or are they going to possibly make more money in retirement. And there are thresholds that the IRS sets um, or the the administration sets that you can make so much money. And then after that, you give a dollar back for every $2 or every $3, depending on your situation, your age.
0: Um, And as you're going through these, I can imagine you've seen clients hitting a variable, one or the other, where this mm -hmm. just sends the conversation going in a different direction. And we're going to take a break, but when we come back with those major variables we'll start to get into some questions that you might be asking somebody and i think it's going to spark a lot of thoughts for listeners of the show but we'll be back in a moment to for more of the later in life planning show sponsored by keystone elder law right here on news radio whp 580 now more of the later in life planning show here on news radio whp 580 we're back on the later in life planning show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Cauley. I am your host. My guest today is Matt Shira with Conti Wealth Advisors. You can find them on the web at Conti Wealth. That's C O N T E Wealth.com. And that's where Matt works. And Matt, uh, before the break, you were talking about some some really important general guidelines for social security when people are approaching uh the age when that's going to become a relevant factor for income in retirement you're you're talking about what did they do for their career what was their income are they going to continue to work is some other lucrative position coming along uh do they have any sort of pension uh and and is it the kind of pension that would lend itself to social security but when you when you dive into that with someone uh what are the first factors you're going to look at well there's Again, there's in total four,
1: but two of them don't apply to most people. So, for example, the one if you're part of the railroad pension, then you're not eligible. You never really paid into Social Security, so that's not going to be a part of it. So, the main ones are your age, your current situation. If you're you're married, if you uh, were married before, and then if you continue to work. So, those are the I think the main two or three that are, are really should apply. And social security, the best way to look at it is, is if we look at doing things early and getting money sooner as a bonus, and it's actually the reverse of that. So if you want to file at 62 and your four retirement age is, using round numbers is 67, you essentially are paying a five-year penalty. So you will get a lower amount. So I'll give you examples right now. So the current highest Social Security amounts for 2023, your full retirement age is $3,637 per month. At age 70, that's $4,555 a month. And at age 62, it's $2,572 a month, significantly less than, you know, let's call it 30% less than your full retirement age. That
0: buys a lot fewer groceries.
1: So if you feel that you have decent longevity and let's say you're a client, I've had had clients where they have really bad family health history and, and they think that there's no way, you know, they might smoke or they might have some habits that might lend to them not living to age 80. They're convinced that, yeah, I should really file at 62. Then that's, then that's fine. That's where kind of you, that, that other moving or that variable comes into financial planning that, that may not be just statistics and, sure. and numbers.
0: It's less money, but it. Who cares if you're not going to be around to see the the benefit of a higher amount?
1: So I would tend to look at it as if you can, if I can encourage someone to delay, and it makes sense, and we we have that conversation and go because that, that is actually part of the financial plan that I do, and we can designate an entire meeting to that. And just so they understand the moving parts, because a big part of what I do is just education. So if they understand that, okay, if they can get behind, hey, if I delay to age 70, which there's, it's kind of pointless to, to file after age 70, because you, you get a uh, 8.3% bump every year between for retirement age and age 70. So if you wait, and file at 70, then your break-even age will be between 79 and 80. So you will make or will receive more money if you if you wait, significantly more. So, you know, if you think that you're definitely going to pass before age 80, then maybe have that conversation of, you know, I, I would prefer to, to file at 62. Uh, but that is the first thing as far as, you know, when age, what age to file and what makes sense to you.
0: Okay. And and of course, you know, you, you balance that thought that I'm sure some of your clients have that no way I'm gonna live until age eighty, but but I've seen the people who lived longer than they expected to and now they have a new stress, which is every night am I gonna run out of money before I die? You know, you so you don't want that either. So
1: exactly. And I think recently with everything costing more, that's that's a huge concern. Right. And there actually is. I'll touch on this uh, in, in a minute, but one of the big things is the cost of living increase built into Social Security, and how that's that's a super interesting financial planning <laughs> calculation. A lot of fun. But the general calculate uh, the general thought is that people, you know, they they typically come in with a mindset, and a lot of times that's right. But sometimes they just they're lacking some education and need that those couple points to make their decision.
0: Right. Okay, so so you've looked at you've looked at age, you, you know that you're going to encourage them to, d- to delay the filing because at age 70 they're going to get uh, obviously more of a benefit um, But taking into into account the mindset, taking into account their health history and so forth, what comes next?
1: Well, the one of the other things that I get a lot of questions about is what about how long I've worked? So if you get your 40 quarters in, and that's when you know the clock starts ticking. A number of people have asked me, "Well, if I made significantly more money earlier in my career, am I going to get penalized?" No, the IRS takes the highest thirty-five uh, quarters or thirty-five years of earnings, and that's plays into your calculation of your your primary insurance amount. So that is the what's called the foundation of that calculation. So. If you had, say, someone who was a stay-at-home spouse and they are worried that, okay, the kids are in college now and now I'm going into the workforce, then I would only worry about that at retirement. Because if if the other spouse has been working the whole time and makes more, then you can base that calculation on that person as well.
0: And I think you touched on something that's pretty foundational, and maybe we should just highlight it a little more. You talked about the number of quarters that add up in, in, the, in the language of the Social Security Administration. It, they call them credits. So you work roughly, what, 10 years, and you've, you have enough credits to actually even be eligible for the re- retirement benefit. But the, there may be people who are listening who spent a number of years, uh, you know, let's say, getting paid under the table you know, they, they have a cash business or something and who knows, you know, I'm not passing judgment or anything, but, but they're not contributing to social security and they're not getting those credits. Am I right about that? That
1: is absolutely correct, especially with small business owners. So from what I understand, I, I can't give tax advice, but my friends and uh, people that I know that that's all they do is taxes, that's a a bigger thing that the IRS is coming down on is is business owners who the common one is they file as an S corp. We'll get too far in the weeds here, but they they essentially they deduct everything and don't take a salary. So if you don't take a salary, uh, it's all say owner distribution. There's no earned income or compensation. They call it a, a reasonable salary uh, in an S corp. Then it's possible that you're 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 hurting yourself in the long run. So, Because
0: you're not going to be eligible for Social Security.
1: And if you pay yourself a very minimal, reasonable salary, then it's possible the IRS could reclassify all of that earnings.
0: Okay. So you don't want to be in that boat. No, no, I would think no. not. Okay, so what's up next? I mean, so you've looked at their age, you've looked at some of these other variables. Let's say we're not talking about somebody who worked for the railroad, so we're talking about, or, or maybe some of the other common questions you get. I mean, you talked about... Um, what if I made more earlier in my career? What if I? What, I guess the flip side of that is, what if I made, as most people probably do, more money later in their career? And you're saying that's not, that's not going to make a difference. Although there is such a thing as if you have really high income, uh, that's, I mean, that's going to affect your Medicare um, and and how much the premium is. But is there an equivalent for Social Security?
1: So there is a maximum amount, and this year, uh, let's see. Year is I think one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So you're you're paying Social Security up to that amount, and every year, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but that is one of the ways that I feel that the the uh, the administration's able to stretch out the solvency of the Social Security. So they. They keep on upping that Uh, a few years ago, it was only, I think, $114,000 last year it was 140 and now it's, I think, $160,700. So they've upped that by $20,000 that you're paying social security on. There is a bill, I can't think of the name of it, it's the uh, Larson Act, I think it is. And so I read it a couple months ago, but what what is in talks right now is making that maximum $400,000 for individuals and $500,000 for couples. So that, that's a massive jump. Do I think that's going to come into play? No. Nothing Uh, would
0: surprise me at this point, especially recouping all the money that was spent on, on the pandemic response. They're looking to, you know, and, and keeping social security alive longer.
1: And I I think that now this is all just speculation. We can get into that, but uh, two things. I really think that's possible. Why George Bush Senior was a one-term president? He went on the the platform of no new taxes, and what did he do? He of right. taxes on Social right. Security. A lot of these people vote. That's just my
0: yeah. It's, it's a political third rail nobody wants to touch,
1: <clears throat> and no one really wants to. They want to extend it and give it some continuation, but no one wants to really jump on that grenade and right and and end it.
0: Okay, more on Social Security in a moment. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the later in life planning show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law here on News Radio WHP five eighty. Welcome back to the later in life planning show on News Radio WHP five eighty. Here's Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Colley, your host, and my guest today is Matt Shira with Conti Wealth Advisors. Find them on the web at contiwealth.com, contiwealth.com, or 717-975-8800. And Matt, but before the the break, you know, we we're, were if people didn't already think social security is complicated, we're talking about health history, we're talking about what, you know what? What kind of money were you making? We're talking about. Did, do you have a pension? Were you married before? I mean, these are all the moving parts that go into a conversation about social security. But let's just jump right into, you know, if you're going to calculate how much a person is, you know, if we figured out the right age and we're now we're calculating what what's it going to be? Maybe continuing to work or having some. Uh, job in retirement, you know, a lot of people don't want to just retire to nothing. They want to have something and it might pay them a little bit of money to do it. Um, How do you go about um, going into the, or figuring out the amount of money that the benefit will provide?
1: Well, I think there's two groups of people that go through the planning or that planning conversation of, I am definitely going to work. And then that's an easy answer. And it does that dollar amount cover your cost of living. And that's an easy answer because it makes way more sense to at least get to full retirement age. And then there's the, the, the people that they're not sure they might want a a part-time job. And those, that conversation can be trickier because you have to weigh out a couple things. So every year that, you know, the, the three big ages are 62. That's a common, um, that's the first point you can file. The the full retirement age, which is at this point, essentially 67 and 70. So the numbers that people need to know about is, okay, if you wait to age uh, for every year after full retirement age, you get an 8% bonus for every year you delay. And in every year, uh, there's a set maximum that you can make. So the good thing is, if you're filing at 62 and you think you will make $15,000 a year in a fun part-time job, then that's not nearly as big of a conversation. If you file for social security, you're two years into it. So you're past that redo and you are now making $90,000 a year. So people look at it. It's not gone. So it's important to know that the money isn't taken away forever because you're still paying social security while you're working. If it's earned income, then you're paying your FICA taxes, you're you're earning uh, your into social security and, and um, Medicare. So in 2023, that maximum is $21,240. And then after that, they reduce the benefit by a dollar for every $2 that you get over that $21,240.
0: So you were saying it was easier when the person says, I'm definitely going to work, because then you're probably going to know what the numbers look like. If you don't know if they're going to work or not, you're kind of in the dark because you want to know for every dollar you're making, you know, that there's an impact on, uh, or for every $2 you're making, there's an impact on the amount of benefits. So it's a little harder to predict.
1: I think it's easier to get caught up in the romance of retiring, and having a different lifestyle and spending more time with your young kids or traveling and discounting the moving parts of how's this going to affect me financially. So I give you an example where I have a client who just wanted to work part time as a butcher that he'd done for a very long time. And it was just rewarding for him. Uh, But he was going to make around four, I think around $40,000. So that was a decision for him. Do you continue to work now? When he did retire, that that twenty one thousand and change was lower, so it was easier to make that decision. Had he done it this year, maybe it would be harder. I don't know the answer to that. It's gonna that it really comes down to personal preference. But if you look at it, you know you're 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 almost delaying that benefit if you continue to work, but it it, it kind of makes the decision for you as far as how long you're gonna have to wait. So if you look at it and do the uh, the rough numbers, if you make $83,000, then they're withholding that benefit entirely. So it's, again, it's $2, uh, every $2 above that $21,000, they are going to reduce it by a dollar. So the important thing, though, is if you can hold out to age your full retirement age, whether that's, say, 66 and two-thirds or, or 67, then... It doesn't matter what you make. So, if you can keep under the radar, I don't say under the radar, that's, (laughs) (laughs) but if you're below that amount, and if you have a job that maybe there's some qualified non deferred comp that you can push that money off um, because you've already paid the the taxes on it, that's a possibility depending on your situation. Again, I can't give tax advice, but if you are okay with delaying, then the sky's the limit as far as, you know, for retirement age.
0: Got it. I think a, a conversation that comes up a lot, too, is, uh, okay, I'm married. What if my spouse dies? Uh, because there is a difference, especially if, let's say, husband dies first because, you know, the statistics don't look good for us men. Uh, we, are, we live not as long, but historically, maybe the wife was out of the workforce or or just isn't receiving as much in Social Security. So what happens to the lower Social Security amount of the wife if husband dies and his social security was higher, explain maybe a little bit about survivor benefits.
1: A lot of this goes back to age. So if let's say the surviving spouse is full retirement age or older, that's the probably the easiest way to describe it, then they will get the higher of their benefit or the deceased uh, spouse's benefit. And if the surviving spouse is age 62 for retirement age, then they would get between seventy one and a half and ninety nine percent of that amount, and I think a lot of people look at it as the it, it's the Social Security Administration is not they're there for your benefit. There are a lot of moving parts. Um, you just need to understand the 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 steps of of how to get the most benefit for you. So when they're when you're considered when you're filing originally they're helping you file for the highest benefit possible. So it's good to come with good questions and a lot of information if, you know, say you were married before or... Um, and one of the things that you you can look at is there is actually a surviving spouse benefit for previous marriages. So that's that's a whole conversation right there. But the easy one is if you're you're married and the spouse dies when you uh the spouse passes away when you're still married and you're you know at full retirement age then that's the higher of 100% of their benefit so if you're currently receiving you know $1200 and that spouse is receiving you know 1900 then you're going to get the higher of the two benefits
0: okay so yeah and and that's usually welcome news to somebody who was used to having two incomes to pay the household bills and now they're only going to have one, but the silver lining is it'll be it'll the be higher, the higher one. Correct.
1: Now, one of the tough conversations is what if the spouse passes away early, and you're caring for a child. So say that child is under sixteen; uh, they would get about seventy-five percent of that benefit. And if the surviving spouse is caring for a child under the age of 18 with a disability that's also 75 percent
0: other important factors to keep in mind and you know all of this is against the backdrop as matt Chira of conti wealth advisors and i are just sort of musing about the the moving parts of the conversation it's it's nowhere near a straightforward you know do i file now or do i file later there's so many moving parts age health history uh, were you married? Uh, all of these questions that that Matt Shirah is going through, but it's it's against the backdrop that, you know, for some people, and I see this at Keystone Elder Law, social security is their only income. Some people have social security and a pension, or maybe they have annuity uh, distributions, so maybe social security plays a, a, a more minor role. But one thing is for sure, and, and I think, Matt, you hit on it, that You know this is is there for you. You have paid into it, and so getting it right makes uh, makes a a significant difference in in your your uh, standard of living in retirement. Because when you think about it, of of all those that I mentioned, a pension, and you mentioned you know a pension system that went belly up, um, you know annuities. Who knows how you know? I guess it depends how much is in there, how long that's going to be there for you. Whereas Social Security. Is backed by the United States government. It adjusts for inflation, and it will pay you as long as you live. So that's going to be, you know, that's a, that's why it's a bedrock of whether it's all of your income or whether it's part of it. That's that's why I, I think to, to step back and see how it's important to get this all right is really important. And. You know, something. This is, of course, just one piece of building your shield for the the challenges, the costs of the later years of life. Keep more money in your family. Have money to live on. Um, you know, if you want to learn the rest of it, uh, of or at least the part that I do at Keystone Elder Law, you can go to keystoneelderlaw.com and use the workshops tab to get registered for an upcoming free. Uh, online workshop where, from the comfort of your own home, you can take in information about estate planning, asset protection, how you pay for long term care, issues like that. And you combine that with Matt Shiraz's advice, and you're well on your way to building a shield. We'll be back in a moment for more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Cauley. We are back on the Later in Life planning show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Cauley. I'm your host. I'm with Keystone Elder Law. And my guest today is Matt Sheraw. Matt is with Conti Wealth Advisors. Conti C-O-N-T-E, wealth.com, 717-975-8800. Matt, you know, one thing that, that came up before the break was that unlike some other sources of income in retirement, uh, there is a cost of living adjustment, so you know the the, the Social Security uh, payment you're getting will will go up to reflect that the cost of, you know, groceries and gas and everything else is is going up all the time. Talk to me a little bit about how that works. How do they come up with how much of a, a bump you're going to get?
1: So the the calculation is based upon the Consumer Price Index. Now
0: that sounds fascinating. Tell it me is more.
1: <laughs> full of. Social Security fun facts. So that is a basket of goods that uh, Department of uh, Labor Statistics put together, and especially over the last two years, people are very interested. Okay, you know everything's gone up: gas, groceries, whatever, travel doesn't matter what it is, it's gone up. There's very few things that weren't affected, and people want to know, okay, well, what? How's that going to affect my Social Security? So if you look at just it, I'm not going to speculate on inflation, but let's say average inflation ticks back down to even continues on the high side at four, say it goes down to let's say mid twos. Then the most recent bump that uh, that the administration put in place was at the end of, well, for the beginning of 2023, because it would start in January. So that bump was 8.7%. So that's been the highest, I believe since 1981. And there's not always an increase though, because that basket of goods uh, in the CPI is flexible. That's that's not a standard, which I think is uh, withhold my opinion on that. But
0: I feel like that's that's not. Are you thinking fair. there might be some politics involved, or <laughs> possibly? Okay, possibly.
1: So allegedly. Okay. So, um, in the give me an example. So last year, uh, in preparation for 2023, everyone got an 8.7 increase, which is great. And I think that, that that hasn't happened, like I said, since 1981. But in 2010, 2011, and 2016, there were 0% increases. So you can actually look up that that historic uh, price or uh, benefit adjustment on the Social Security website. So that is a big benefit. And one of the other things that people are concerned about is just the longevity of social security yeah you can't have
0: a conversation about social security without the question is it even going to be around
1: and i think people are you know it's easy to be negative about that because there's that's the uh, I'm, i'm generalizing but that that a lot of people are concerned about that because that's big because that might be their source of income and they don't think it's fair because i've paid into it and what's going to happen so I again, another Social Security fun fact is one of the I think the first person to ever receive Social Security uh, was a woman by the name of Ida Mae Fuller uh, in and it started in January 31st, 1940, and her benefit check was twenty two dollars and fifty four cents per month. So she paid into it for three years, which I find entertaining because now (laughs) I'm sure that's one of the reasons why they've uh upped the amount of quarters or yes. or years to make you eligible. Uh but she received that benefit for twenty plus years. So there has to be planning for that longevity. So one of the the few things that just my opinion that that might change um how it's calculated or to continue its longevity is if you look at the history of for retirement age. Uh it's been increased uh, from 65 to, to 67, at I you know, uh, forget what increment, but it's gone up since then. So, for people to get that higher benefit, that's been delayed. Uh, for there's also that dollar amount that now people are paying into. So, a few years ago uh, in 2022, that amount was $147,000. And I misspoke a little bit earlier. In 2023, that amount is 160,200, not 160,700. Oh, so five hundred dollars—an unforgivable but let's, mistake, man. <laughs> let's be
0: exact here. <laughs> Full disclosure here. Yes. So, in the know, Larson Act that you mentioned, I mean, so when we when we talk about this history of cost of living adjustments to Social Security, and there have been some years it was a zero percent change, and but more recently there was a significant change and and you talked about the Larson Act which would say you pay into social security out of your compensation right now up to just over uh, now I'm being the general one 160,000 but they're thinking about increasing it so if you make 300 even 400,000 you're still going to be contributing to social security.
1: Every nickel would then apply to social security right. which that's going to continue I, I don't think it's possible the the 400,000 and 500,000 dollar mark is posturing. But if you see over the last and that that those dollar amounts are easy to Google as far as, you know, what the 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 total amount of Social Security was was taxed. Uh, You see that even in one year, it's gone up significantly. So the I think that the other thing to to continue the health of for um, of Social Security in the future is, you know, keep in mind that up to 85 percent of your Social Security benefit is taxed. So if you're continuing to work, there's Social Security, it's called cash flow. And if you're receiving the benefit, that could potentially be taxed dependent on your total income, whether that's investment income or you know, people talk about passive income, uh, your, your total uh, picture. And I think if one of the biggest ones is, again, just increasing that full retirement age. So, uh, anything uh, really as far as the paying the taxes, that 85%, really anything that is not a just straight dollar amount that's important to know. So, uh, $25,000 is the threshold for individuals and $32,000 uh, for couples. So, there is there is, again, yet another variable that's thrown in there that's important to know.
0: Yeah. So... Yeah, and I feel like we've just kind of scratched the surface of this of the many, many moving parts of just what some people probably think is a simple question. How much is my social social security benefit going to be in retirement and when do I file? It, you know, we've talked about all these different uh, factors that would come into play. and, and I mean, so there are some easy things people can do. I mean, number one, I mean, having a, a, a Sherpa, somebody to guide them through all of this seems to be, A lot better than just going on the website and reading tens of thousands of pages of information. And um, you know, they can create their own login at SSA.gov. Maybe that's a good place to start. But where, where, what are some practical steps people can start taking? Including, how would someone contact you if they're hearing this and they're like, "Okay, I need this guy to boil it down for my circumstances"?
1: So, I think the the SS the Social Security Administration or SSA.gov website is a great starting point to create your own login. You have an idea that there will probably give you some semblance of piece of, you know, that dollar amount, even if you're, you know, 50. So, you know, that's well in advance, but it gives you some semblance of knowing what that number is. And the second step I would say is just have a conversation. So like I said earlier, that is a meeting just for my clients who are getting ready to pull that lever in retirement. So let's just not even talking about the investments or the other income just you know just talking about the moving parts on Social security and making sure you have it right and there is it does bridge in between the statistics of if you wait to age 70 these are this is when you break even and it really goes into again that personal preference of here's what I want to do and I plan on working or this is the, the situation that my spouse is in and a little bit of lifestyle, but just, just knowing that. And I think I would, you don't need to go through the social security website. It is very extensive. There's a lot of information on there. I would use it to garner some good questions. So whether it's the first meeting with that I do with clients or the second meeting where I go through their punch list of how we can work together, then I always encourage them as the, the one of the important bullet points of that meeting is come in with your with your questions. I really it's a learning experience for me because I get to find out how they they tick, yeah. um, you know, make the best use of that hour and a half or two hours in that first meeting to really get engaged with and and knowing, you know, what is important to them. I think that's huge. So just that having that open conversation and being prepared with some good
0: questions. And contacting you, your your email. Uh, this is Matt Shira. My guest today is email is M Shirah. is spelled S-H-E-R-A-W. So M at Contiwealth, C O N T E wealth dot com. Any any other ways to get in touch with you? There is a
1: way that I don't mind doing it's uh, so it it's quicker, I find that if clients can text, there is a number that I use that uh, my assistants also get where they can text me and just schedule a meeting. Uh, that number is 717-610-6911.
0: Well, it, then I hope people take advantage of this, seeing how all the factors that go into social security and get in touch with you. Thank you, Matt, for your time today. Great. Thank you, Patrick. Join us next week for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show. Sponsored by Keystone Elder Law here on News Radio WHP 580.